Welcome to the Alzheimer's Solution Revolution Show with Ralph Sanchez. Ralph's background includes 25 years as a clinician and functional medicine consultant, and he is the best-selling author of The Diabetic Brain and Alzheimer's Disease. Ralph's mission on this show is to bring you the trailblazing information and science that enables you to live younger, longer, and protect yourself and your loved ones from cognitive impairment and dementia as you age. Welcome, everyone. This is Ralph Sanchez, and I'm so pleased to bring you episode number six to you here at the Alzheimer's Solution Revolution Channel. Indeed, I am very much looking forward to today's topic, which is centered on the assessment of risk biomarkers for late onset Alzheimer's disease. Just how early in life is it prudent to begin such assessments to gauge your risk? How early in your lifespan can you start to assess for specific biomarkers that are linked to the risk and earliest stages of late onset Alzheimer's disease? And have you given that much thought? Now, for those of you that are not familiar with the term biomarkers, I will give a brief overview of what that term represents in a few minutes. And please note that from time to time, I will be using an acronym for late onset Alzheimer's disease spelled L-O-A-D or LOAD. Now, almost 20 years ago, I found this important concept gradually emerging with regard to the early assessment and risk reduction approaches earlier in life to be a critical strategy in the hopeful prevention of cognitive impairment and dementia in aging. And currently, it is now a call to action from the progressive medical and research community that has gained a great deal of momentum. First, if you're not familiar with early onset and late onset Alzheimer's disease, those are two forms of Alzheimer's. And I cover that in depth in episode number three. Just briefly, early onset is genetically determined, but late onset, which is what we speak about here at the Alzheimer's Solution Revolution channel, most often is all about late onset, which is associated with many risk factors, including genes and lifestyle and toxins. And you can modify that risk, and it's really important to begin looking at those risk factors earlier in life. Now, in my book, The Diabetic Brain and Alzheimer's Disease, I talk about some primary risk factors associated with aging, such as type 2 diabetes, heart disease, obesity, hypertension, and how the early signs of those diseases can be tracked early in life. And they often run parallel to the disease progression of vascular dementia and load. And that's what we're going to be talking about today mostly. So you can start to get the idea that if you're susceptible to Alzheimer's disease or dementia, you really need to start taking control early in life if you are tracking those health issues. And if you're not, you might be inspired today to begin doing that earlier in your life. So today, I'll be giving you some vital information on a recent study 
that showcases what I just covered and how you can manage your healthy aging and reduce your risk for dementia through the assessment of biomarkers. And what are biomarkers? First, a little overview on that for those of you that have not heard the term. It's a shortened version that represents biological markers. And biological markers are the markers you look at in a blood chemistry exam or hormone analysis or urine test, which are great at looking for some metabolic issues in your body and hormones and other molecular cascades that are associated with health risks. So blood, urine, saliva are all great mediums for looking at specific markers within those tests that give you clues about your health, your metabolism, your immune system, inflammation, oxidative stress, toxins, gut health, liver health, heart health, brain health, and many other factors associated with your health and aging. Now, most often, and in most medical practices, a blood chemistry is used to diagnose or to look at a possible disease process. But the interpretation of those markers as risk factors is not often executed in terms of prevention. How often have you heard a doctor say, oh, this is not looking so great? Perhaps you're in your 30s or 40s, and he's recommended that we need to start reversing some issues associated with this, particularly diet and lifestyle, so that you don't run into problems, bigger problems, later on. And of course, you'll probably hear that once you're running into your later 50s or 60s. But the whole point is here that you really need to start tracking and interpreting these biomarkers earlier in life and the understanding of what that all means for your future health. Now, what happens in most uh, traditional medical offices is a common scenario with heart disease and diabetes. You can plainly see that disease progression in a blood chemistry test can be tracked, and it is vital. It's a vital strategy to your long-term health to arrest such health problems much earlier in life by looking at these optimal ranges of biomarkers throughout your health span. Now, what are optimal ranges? They're also referred to as functional ranges because it really indicates how well your metabolism and organ function is so that you can start to gain control if things are not going well. So these risk factors, these biomarkers are derived largely from lab studies that I mentioned. And by looking at lifestyle and diet patterns and stress issues that are important factors for a careful analysis of your own and your family's health history. And I cannot stress enough how important it is to look at your history that includes a comprehensive risk assessment in terms of your propensity to develop any particular health disorder as you age. And that also goes for your family's history, because what I always have always 
caution people with is that just look at the disease patterns that run in your family. Well, those are the ones that you're most likely to begin to run into for yourself as you age. I'll never forget sitting in a classroom at my Chinese medicine school, an acupuncture university, Yosan University of Traditional Chinese Medicine. I'm proud to say that I graduated from there in 1995 and went on to begin my integrative medical practice thereafter. But I had an instructor there, and he emphasized how important it was to take a careful history that included emotional, spiritual, and other factors related to your health history, the mind-body connection, if you will. All of that is so important to look at in a person and include in a patient record in order to truly gauge the roots of the health disorder as it is currently manifesting. Now, let's get to a famous study, which will be the basic framework for today. It's called the Framingham Heart Study, which is what I'm going to be putting the findings of in context of the risk for dementia and Alzheimer's. Now, the Framingham Heart Study is a long-term, ongoing cardiovascular study that was done on a population, a cohort of the city of Framingham, Massachusetts. Now, this study began in 1948-49, and it was intended to track the course of cardiovascular disease, to see how heart disease develops, and to analyze certain risk factors associated with it, such as elevated cholesterol and glucose levels, uh, smoking and hypertension, and what the individual's risk for developing heart disease based on these biomarkers and risk factors were, including the potential for more serious issues like heart attack or stroke. Many of you most likely understand by now that elevated glucose levels is an indicator, a biomarker of prediabetes or frank diabetes. And you really need to start taking control of such risk factors before it develops into more serious complications associated with type 2 diabetes and cardiovascular disease. You have to start looking at that. Otherwise, you will be regulated to prescription medications to start controlling that. Needless to say, type 2 diabetes and heart disease are modifiable issues through diet and lifestyle therapies and other interventions. Nevertheless, I also realize that some individuals will not make a lot of effort to change their diet and lifestyle patterns. Prescription meds are needed in those cases, and that is the world of traditional medicine in this country. Case in point, a recent report on the outcome of another trial termed the Rewind Trial, R-E-W-I-N-D. That trial was just published, and I'll quote what one of the researchers said, cognitive impairment predicted the risk for major cardiovascular events, strokes, and death in patients with type 2 diabetes, according to a large retrospective analysis. Now, just get 
what was said there. They were saying that the signs of cognitive impairment were a predictor of more serious issues related to cardiovascular disease and the subsequent risk for stroke and death. So that's a bit of a turnaround, isn't it? You know, we hear about cardiovascular disease and diabetes, which is what I talk about a lot, and the risk that that implies for cognitive impairment. But this trial was saying, hey, if you're in a state of cognitive impairment, that predicts your risk for major cardiovascular events. And, and really, it's no different what they're saying. They're just kind of reversing the association. And one of the researchers of that study, Dr. Gerstein, added, our study found low scores on cognitive tests predicted heart disease in people with diabetes and other heart risk factors. Although the explanation for this remains unclear, proven heart medications should be offered to these patients to reduce the risk of a heart attack or stroke. So again, sort of a reverse association. They're saying, boy, if you've got somebody that's in cognitive impairment, well, they likely have diabetes and heart disease, and you better start intervening as soon as possible. So back to the Framingham Heart Study, uh, that will be, again, our reference here mostly for the rest of this podcast. That study was begun in 1948-49, and the study examined cholesterol and glucose levels measured in the blood and the association of these diseases with cardiovascular disease and the increased risk for heart attack and a stroke. An offspring or sub-study of that Framingham heart study was actually instituted in 1971. And the intention there in that sub-study was for the assessment on the particular influence of vascular risk factors on the incidence of Alzheimer's and dementia over time. And I want to mention that the concept of risk factors was actually derived from the Framingham Heart Study. The researchers there were the first to coin that term in 1957. Now, I've talked about this in my book, in my articles, social media posts many times, because the research is really clear now. It has been emphasized in many studies over the last 10 years or so that you really have to start looking at your risk factors earlier in life, by midlife, and no later, hopefully, because at midlife, things start to really hit a pivotal crisis point. In fact, that offspring study, the research found that a 15 milligram increase in blood glucose measured during middle adulthood was associated with a 14 and a half increased risk for Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's disease has a long stage of development and the prevailing wisdom over these last few years has been that it had at least a timeline of 20 to 30 years or so where it develops. 
And it is a silent disorder in the earliest stages. You never really are aware of it. It's turned to preclinical or asymptomatic, meaning no symptoms, stage of Alzheimer's disease. Then you go on to a stage where there are issues with your memory and other thinking uh, processes, such as judgment and just running your life. It's called executive function. And that's referred to as mild cognitive impairment. And in mild cognitive impairment, not always, mind you, but in quite a few individuals, particularly a mild cognitive impairment associated with memory loss, which is called amnestic mild cognitive impairment. Those people are at much higher risk for a conversion to late onset Alzheimer's after the age of 65. For many years in the progression of Alzheimer's associated with aging, late onset, brain damage progresses to the point where after 65, you're beginning to get into a more serious progression of the disease process and a possible diagnosis of dementia. Now, I'm going to quote what the research concluded from that offspring study that began in 1971. These findings show for the first time that cardiovascular risk factors, including HDL, which has not been consistently reported as a strong risk factor in Alzheimer's disease, contribute to the risk of Alzheimer's disease starting as early as age 35. Wow, that is remarkable for people to really understand and be aware of. And that's a quote from Dr. Zhang, a researcher, one of the researchers of that study. Furthermore, Dr. Zhang stated that we have shown for the first time that these associations extend much earlier in life than previously thought. Well, partially true. As before, other studies have opined that the risk for dementia and Alzheimer's based on their findings can be triggered by cardiometabolic, and cardiometabolic represents that combined disease comorbidity of diabetes and heart disease. And those risk factors, those signs can be seen as early as childhood. Nevertheless, that statement by Dr. Zhang is pretty significant because that really puts the timeline with regard to the progression of late onset Alzheimer's into perspective. Yes, there's at least 20, maybe 30 years, but it could be 30 years or more. In fact, there is so much evidence that's beginning to emerge that you really need to address these factors much earlier in life. And I realize that most people in their 30s are not going to be thinking about it. It's really up to their doctors to start advising people about these risks. And especially if there's a family history of dementia or Alzheimer's. Now, on my website, I have an article related to belly fat the title of which is Lose the Belly Fat and Save Your Brain from Shrinking. And that article is an overview of the issues related to obesity 
and cardiometabolic disease and your risk for Alzheimer's disease. And then there, I showcase evidence that a lot of these issues related to cardiovascular disease and diabetes begin much earlier in life when you're a child, an adolescent, and in some cases are beginning to track these issues to the womb before you were born. Indeed, if your mother had problems with certain health issues related to cardiovascular disease and diabetes, you are going to be more susceptible to developing these issues later in life. So these are the risk factors again. HDL, which is relatively newcomer in this uh, overview of uh, risk factors associated with cardiovascular disease and what that means for your risk for Alzheimer's. But HDL, LDL, and those are forms of cholesterol, glucose levels, and triglycerides, they were all tracked in this offspring study. And the researchers concluded that people that are in this state of early cardiovascular disease where there are elevations or problems with the levels of these risk factors and biomarkers, these people are more prone to developing Alzheimer's dementia. Well, that is not really big news again in terms of the association of cardiovascular disease and the risk for dementia and Alzheimer's disease. I describe those associations in my book quite a bit. And there is a term called cardiogenic dementia which is coined from a study that was published in 1977 by a group of researchers starting to notice that there was a significant association between cardiovascular disease and the risk for dementia, thus cardiogenic dementia. And when I started to see this type of research 20 years ago, as I mentioned, I was thinking, oh my God, why are doctors not discussing this with their patients? For decades, this kind of research has accumulated. But what's significant about this last Framingham Heart Study, this offspring study, is that we are now seeing these research conclusions that indicate a risk for dementia that begins as early as your mid-30s. But remember, it can begin earlier in life even. If you have a family history of type 2 diabetes, cardiovascular disease, or dementia, you want to start looking at these risk factors early to gain an understanding of where you stand in relation to your risk for a dementia and Alzheimer's disease later in life. Certainly by your 40s and 50s, when all this starts to mount as a significant risk for late onset Alzheimer's and dementia. And in one of my next couple of shows, I'll be talking more about a primary risk factor associated with all of this, a genetic variant. Now, many of you have heard that the APOE4 gene, a genetic variant related to the APOE gene, and that APOE4 variant is the most significant and most validated genetic risk variant factor for late onset Alzheimer's disease. And it was that understanding that this risk factor was also a risk factor for heart disease. Back in the 1990s, when I started to put all this together in terms of 
these associations of heart disease and the risk for Alzheimer's and dementia and what APOE4, what all that meant in context of all of this. That's what triggered my early investigation and eventually my dedication to this research and understanding the etiology of Alzheimer's disease, how it all begins, and what are the particular things, the risk factors, the causal risk factors associated with its onset later in life. And again, we're talking about late onset Alzheimer's disease. And this overview is something that I really caution you to make note of because it is a significant finding that reinforces that people need to be aware and understand how they can leverage a risk reduction and prevention approach to cognitive impairment later in life. How about that? I was really looking forward to bringing this information to you today because it's something that I frankly emphasize and talk about a lot. So essentially, that is it for today's episode, number six, on the offspring study from the Framingham Heart Study. And as always, thank you so very much for listening in. In the next podcast, I will be bringing you another in this uh, series that I published in episodes three and four. They're called the Think Ahead podcast series. And those are going to be continuing here on the Alzheimer's Solution Revolution channel. And next week, I think, would be a good time to bring uh, that Think Ahead episode number three about the genetic variants associated with late-onset Alzheimer's disease. And finally, please, if you want to learn more about me and my work, please go to thealzheimersolution.com. You can learn more about my Brain Defend Body Brain program there. It's also accessible through braindefend.com. And finally, do let me know if there's something in particular you would like to listen to here on this podcast. I'll make a point of reading that and including that if possible on one of my podcasts to come soon. So again, thank you, God bless, and bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Alzheimer's Solution Show. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a comment and subscribe wherever you listen in to your favorite podcasts. Share with friends and family on your favorite social media channel, such as Twitter or Facebook. 